This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello, and welcome to Growing Better Together, Why You Should Join a Podcast Network. My name is Alana Joseph, and I lead creator management at HubSpot. So my team leads the HubSpot Podcast Network. As you've seen, we have a pretty great activation, um, and we are the audio destination for business professionals. We have about 24 business podcasts, ranging from marketing to sales, entrepreneurship. You probably know some of them. MarTech Podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, Gold Digger, Online Marketing Made Easy with Amy Porterfield, etc. We also have an accelerator program called HubSpot Creators. And we know that there are really, really talented creators out there that are looking to really build their audience. And so we want to support you in doing that. We won't go too deep into our programs, but I wanted to give you that context as we will be discussing both HubSpot Creators and HubSpot Podcast Network today. So. Without further ado, I would love for our panelists to introduce themselves. I know them personally, and I think that you will really enjoy getting to know them as well. So, Ben, do you want to start? We can just go down the line. Hi, everybody. I'm Benjamin Shapiro. <laughs> That's Fonzie. <laughs> um, I am the founder and CEO of a company called I Hear Everything, and we help brands connect the awareness benefits of podcasts with their demand generation efforts. Um, and I'm also the host and producer of the MarTech podcast. And for anybody that was looking for Ben Shapiro from The Daily Wire or Tom Webster from I Hear Things, uh, sorry to disappoint you, I'm the other guy. Hi, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Carly Baker, and I'm the community manager for the HubSpot Podcast Network. I work with Alana to do all things network, and it's such a joy to be here. What's up, everybody? My name is Luis. I'm one of the biz bros and host of Content is Profit. If I start speaking Spanish, just give me a heads up. It happens sometimes. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for the, those introductions. So um, I'm sure a lot of people here are thinking about, should I join a podcast network? What does that mean? How is that going to impact my show? And so I, I want to start from the beginning. So Ben, before you joined HubSpot Podcast Network, what were you looking for in a network? What were you looking to get out of being in a network? Kind of give us your thought process prior to joining. So in February of 2021, I uh, was running the MarTech Podcast. It was my only show at the time. And I was directly selling the ads myself. Um, we had about 50,000 downloads a month, and we were selling sponsorship packages for ten dollars to $20,000 uh, per sponsorship. And I was selling one, maybe two of them a month, but I was heavily focused on monetization of my podcast content and wasn't really thinking about growing my organization. Um, one of the things that I was trying to do to get out of the weeds was we hired an SDR, somebody to send our cold outreach to companies that were in the MarTech space to um, basically make introductions so I could have sales meetings. Um, and the first campaign that we launched with our new SDR, who was based in the Philippines, um, we forgot to tell her that she's supposed to filter out the executives from Fortune 500 companies. And uh, we accidentally emailed the CMO of HubSpot. 
wasn't something that I had ever thought we were going to do, and God knows I didn't think he was going to reply, but as it turns out, Kip was gracious enough to let us know that HubSpot was starting a podcast network, so I did a backflip and uh, you know, was excited to start a negotiation process, and two months later, we had come to an agreement, so when you ask what was I thinking when I was looking for a network, I wasn't. I was trying to sell like a quarterly marketing campaign and bumped into HubSpot. So I didn't really have these great expectations of here's what a network should do or here's what the relationship I want and how they're going to support the company. HubSpot was really the first network I'd ever considered. Um, and at the time, you know, when we agreed to work together, I honestly felt like I had hit the lottery. And, and it's not just the monetization, you know, we sort of came to an agreement that was our regular rate card, but it was the idea that we had sold uh, basically half of our inventory for multiple years as part of the HubSpot uh, network. And so that allowed me not only to have capital up front, uh, a commitment from HubSpot, but it also allowed me to have the time to not be solely focused on the monetization of my show, but building out more infrastructure, which has led to us being able to rebrand the company and uh, you know, build out all of the services that we have at I Hear, Hear Everything. So it was a life-changing moment for, for me and my business. Well, clearly, I love to hear that, um, and I'm glad that we were able to help you monetize your podcast and focus on your content and your business, which I think is truly important and what all creators want, right? For sure. <laughs> and Luis, um, what were you thinking before you joined our HubSpot Creators, our accelerator program? So what were you looking for in a program, and, and why did you decide HubSpot Creators? Yeah, definitely. Uh, for us, it was a little interesting story. We were always joining these mastermind groups, networks on the business side. And we launched our show in 2020 as a Hail Mary to save us from a 60-day runway that we had because all the businesses that we were helping at the time closed doors, right? So for us, the podcast was that thing that everyone was like, you guys have to have one. But it was the focus was on the business. So uh, we never really found a home in a, in a network uh, that gave us a lot of benefit. And then... We applied for that first round. We didn't get it, which is totally okay. Um, and then we were brought on on the cohort uh, also as a surprise. It was uh, the great January of this year. And uh, just like Ben, an amazing surprise because the experience that we had in previous networks where you pay to play or uh, it's not really a network, everybody's selling to each other. And it was just not uh, a very positive experience. And Hotspot came, took us in with an amazing group of, of shows as well. And uh, the support, the resources I've shared, whether that's uh, the investment up front or also on the back end, the support for all the creators and connecting us with amazing people in the network has been massive, not only for the audience side of the show, which was never really a top priority for us. We're really focusing on the relationship with the people that we were connecting. Um, and that just opened a whole new world of opportunity. So it's, this last few months have been incredible, and uh, yeah, we're excited. I'm glad. I, we're excited to have you as well. Um, something pretty special about both Luis and Ben is that 
Ben was one of the first podcasts in the podcast network prior to, meaning he couldn't ask other podcasters, hey, do you like this? Are you having a good experience? Really took a leap of faith. And Luis, the same as our first, as part of our first cohort for HubSpot creators. So I've never really had a chance to ask you this, um, but I'm curious, was there anything that you were like, I'm beyond monetization, and, and it's fine if monetization is the key component here, um, but is there anything that also made you take that leap of faith in joining a network prior to having um, any examples of success? Look, the monetization's a big piece. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody, if you're joining a podcast network, you should try to figure out if it's a good balance for you in terms of funding your show, and you know, we're all here to make money. So, like, what was one of the reasons, sorry, Alana, I know I'm not supposed to talk about it too much, but the money. Uh, the reason why joining a network was such an easy decision for me was the retention of the creative process. And so, some of the negotiations that we were having early on was what are the ad units, what are the placement, who gets final say over what is said on the podcast, um, you know, where do the placements go, and with uh, the HubSpot network, you guys aren't in it to sell other people's ads. And so it made it very easy for me to be like, all right, HubSpot is a uh, wonderful partner in, uh, and, and somebody that we would want to promote in our podcast, and, and having an, associate with, uh, an association with them gives credibility to my company and, and my show. So I think that, you know, as I was making the decision, you know, we had a relatively long-term commitment, and so I had to feel comfortable that I was still going to be in charge of the production of the show, um, that I would get to say or amend whatever the ad units are, and then I would know who is being promoted on my show. At the end of the day, you know, as the host, the executive producer of podcasts, uh, I have to feel comfortable with what I'm saying or what's being said on the properties that we own when we have other hosts. And, uh, you know, our relationship was always one where I knew who was being promoted, I knew what we were promoting, what we were saying, and I knew where it would be in the podcast, which gave me a sense of comfort that I would still be in control and retain ownership, and it really did feel like a partnership, not an ad-buying exchange. That's really important. I'm, editorial freedom is something that we That's a much better way to say it. Yeah, editorial freedom. <laughs> <laughs> you say that in the first place. Hey. <laughs> Um, we definitely love your show. We love your show, and we just want you guys to do do what you do best. Um, what about you, Luis? Yeah, definitely. So, um, funny story. We tried to launch a show a year before Content is Profit. So, who's here starting a show or is, you know, in their first year, you know, few, second year? So, the creative process for us was really, really challenging to get into that flow, and that's why that first show didn't survive. When we started Content is Profit, we just said, screw it. We're just going to do this our way. And, uh, um, and that's what allows us to be very consistent right, with our frequency over the last two years. And when we met with you guys, and, and uh, I think the first question was like, are you guys going to have control over <laughs> editorial or what we say or how we say things? Clearly, our English is not very good looking. <laughs> In previous uh, meetings that we had with different people, that was always a thing. We're like, you guys have to produce it this way. You guys have to use this team. You guys have to. Uh, stick to these rules, and that just created a lot of friction for us to actually produce the show. So if we don't produce the show, nothing happens. So that editorial freedom was a massive one for us. 
And also we're looking in a group that is highly engaged, people maybe at the same level and people above us that we could learn from and experiment. Um, the second thing that was really important for us was the freedom to experiment with a lot of things, right? I think that's, that's a massive one. Um, you know, we're in the marketing world, we're in the messaging, we gotta test our message, we gotta test the things that we say, we gotta test our strategies, it changes very quickly. So the fact that we were giving this amount of resources to go out every single week and test new things and find that work and share that with everybody else and receive what everybody else is doing, it was massive for us. So it was really a no-brainer uh, because we knew what we were, we were not looking for in other networks because we had that experience and it, it just felt like a really good fit. Um, and it has been a really good fit. Can I add something? You know, one of the things that actually made me a little nervous when I was joining the podcast. Oh, let's hear it. <laughs> there's a term in our contract about diversity and inclusion. And I was a little nervous and apprehensive at first, but I thought it was interesting that HubSpot made a specific call out that the only term that they specified that has some sort of a sense of editorial control was that there needed to be diversity and inclusion amongst the people that were speaking on the podcast. And at first I was like, how am I going to be responsible for you know, the people that are applying to be guests on the MarTech podcast? I have to filter sort of the incoming signal. We get a lot of people that reach out that want to be on the show. And HubSpot actually pushed me to prioritize diversity and inclusion. And while at first I was a little apprehensive of like, there's a contractual term that I need to have diverse ethnicities and you know all of the things that I should have been doing at the time, um, I was wrong in, in actually feeling apprehensive. And I, it should have been a priority before, but I actually think that where I was nervous was HubSpot urging me, their organization pushing me to think about who was on my podcast and not just accepting the highest profile speakers, but making sure that they were a representation of the entire industry. Yeah, I think um, quite honestly, when we started the network, that was also something that we really prioritized in making the network reflective of the actual workforce. And in thinking about business podcasts, you know, we definitely want to ensure that the people that we invite on have diversity of guests, but you do. And so do you. Well, and, and HubSpot helped with that. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad we helped with that. So, Carly, I'd love to talk a little bit um, with you about your role as a community manager. I think both Ben and, and Luis have pointed out the kind of the editorial freedom, but also the support that you offer. And so, as we think about ourselves and call ourselves a creator first network because we're not selling ads to third parties and focus on the creator themselves. What, what does that look like for you, and, and how does that affect how you go about your role as a community manager? Absolutely, absolutely. So I actually have a background in the greater-creator economy uh, myself. I am uh, an artist and a musician by trade and was a freelancer for a really long time before I made the transition to this industry. So. Uh, community management is something that's really important to me since for a really long time I wasn't represented by management and I struggled through a lot of the same things that my creators are struggling through and feel like I really bring that to uh, my management style. I would say from, from my perspective, the decisions that I make and the programs that I think about are really informed by the direct feedback that I'm receiving from my creators, such as Ben. 
Um, every month we have meetings and I really want to know what you're struggling with, what your pain points are, and also what's working really well. And one of the things that's really unique about my role is because I work with so many people that are at so many different uh, you know, levels of their podcasting journey, I'm really able to sort of act as a sponge and take in all of those different ideas and perspectives and learnings and use that to make sure that all of the programming that we're offering, um, all of the people that we're bringing in to work with our creators are really addressing those needs that they have individually and that everything that we're doing is really cross-functional. So so it's working for people that are maybe just starting out and are maybe having distribution uh, challenges and are looking for that all the way up to some of our, our larger shows that have infrastructure but you know maybe are looking to reach new audiences. So I really try to take a holistic approach and make sure that all of the programming that we're offering is beneficial sort of no matter where you are in your podcasting journey. Yeah, that's really important. We do have podcasters at every level, in their first year to their 10th year. Um, and so supporting them um, definitely requires a lot of collaboration and a lot of listening and a lot of feedback. Um, so as I'm sure not many people here are familiar with some of our programs, can you give us an example of a program that you manage? Um, and then I'd love to hear uh, maybe from Ben and Luis how that program has impacted you. Absolutely. So one of the favorite, uh, my favorite programs that we offer goes hand in hand with our ad strategy. So it is an internal cross promotion strategy. Um, and this actually plays in a little bit with another program that we have that's a guest swap program. So I think one thing that makes us unique is as we are a community, everyone on every level is really engaged. Um, we're all working together to help each other's shows grow. And so by not only you know having your show promoted, which is obviously a great benefit to you, you're also helping others in the community by promoting those shows as well. Um, and also taking that a little bit further by uh, having those folks you know show up in front of your audience as guests. While we know that a cross-promotion strategy is really effective. What I believe makes it, you know, go just that much further is having people and your audience actually have a chance to listen to those person's ideas, hear more about their story, hear more about their show and why they're making content and just sort of introducing them to a new audience um, in a way that's really authentic to the person who's actually running that show. And so those are two of my favorite programs that really go um, hand in hand and really have been moving the needle for everyone in the network, no matter the type of content that they have. Uh, ben, do you want to give us your take on the cross-promotion and the guest swap program? I love the guest swap program. Honestly, it's one of my favorite parts of being in the network is I get to meet Luis and his brother Luis. <laughs> we call him Fonzie for the you know, simplicity. But um, podcasting can be lonely. For those of you who are independent podcasters, you're out, you know, connecting infrastructure and doing a lot of what we talk about on the MarTech podcast, which is, you know, stitching these solutions together to go from I'm having a conversation with somebody to I'm publishing a piece of content. And everybody does their podcast a little bit different. So that ability to invite people that are, you know, either new doing podcasts or some of the more experienced podcasters on my show to give them an example of what our infrastructure looks like allows them to say, you know, we do our hosting this way or we use that platform or here's how we do our ad insertion. And I found that to be incredibly valuable tactically 
Um, but also there's the emotional component of it is my mom doesn't know what I do. Like my, my dad doesn't know how I make money. They're, they still don't think I have a real job. So, you know, being able to connect with other podcasters that are in the industry, you know, meeting everybody here, um, HubSpot has helped facilitate a lot of those or the network has helped to facilitate um, those connections, which I've found to be very meaningful. Thank you. Please? Um, everything that Ben said, but. I love you, man. <laughs> uh, Guest Swap has been great connecting, obviously. We've, we're heavy on the relationship side of things, uh, but the cross-promotion has been massive, right? We've, we've tested, paid, we've tested different organic methods, right? And, um, you know, just this month, we're about to uh, 5x the monthly downloads just on the organic side of things with the organic, right? And, and I think there's a lot of synergy in the network of the shows, so that allows for that to be very effective, right? We've, we've been part of, we've experimented with before Hotspot with other networks, and there's just a, a, a very, a vast array of types of shows. So maybe the audience doesn't really translate, and that's why sometimes that's not very effective. So the synergy of the host, the synergy of the energy, the synergy of the topics that we talk about, that, that is massive, and for us has been really beneficial on that side that before the network, we really weren't not paying attention to that, and that just had brought more connection, more relationships. We live in a world of abundance, right? So like Ben said, um, it can be very lonely, and that's why events like this and conversations like this needs to be happening because there's room for everybody and we can all grow together. So that has been for us, obviously I have my brother that's sitting next to me, hosting the show and talking next to me, but besides him, same thing. My family, yesterday my sister's like, what do you guys do? And uh, oh yeah, we do this thing, we talk to a camera. My wife is like, you guys are always talking to a, this webcam thing, right? And, uh, and that's it, beyond that in the real right world can be really lonely. So uh, for us, that company, that support and that accountability as well to make sure that we set up the standards and continue to raise them every single episode uh, is really, has been really impactful. Thank you, I'm glad. I'm glad it's been impactful. I think that um, as many people here are probably thinking about joining a network, uh, we're all talking about a network that is genre specific. So everyone in the network is a business podcaster. How, um, how has that impacted your show or is that impactful? Should someone who has a comedy podcast look for a network that is full of other comedy podcasts or does that matter? I'm curious to your thoughts there. Sure. So, you know, we mentioned testing earlier, uh, the freedom to test a ton of things. So um, it's hard for me to just give a, a straight answer. It might, you might run into a network that that might be very effective because maybe people are looking for different things, but that was not our case, right? We were uh, promoting maybe in different platforms, um, whether that's on the podcast audio side or on the video side, we're heavy on video. Um, and it was not translating, right? So we tested and we knew what didn't work. So when we encountered the network, and then we started testing different audiences, different people, different cross-promotion, different methods, right, to, to promote and talk and share about the, the show and the topics. It clicked, it worked. So we're like, okay, great, this is the thing that works for us. Uh, we love frameworks and, and building our own processes, right? So for each one of you, that might be different. So ask around, ask a lot of questions. Uh, not maybe because it's, it's a name or there's a show that maybe that you admire in there that might not be the best option, but ask all those questions that you don't really wanna ask. Like for example, on Jolene Dumas like, session yesterday, right? Everybody was asking the questions that everybody's scared to ask. And that's great. And you know, he's part of the network and 
so ask those questions, get your answers, and if it does fit your, your model and, uh, and what you're looking for, go apply, dive in, and uh, you know, we, found, we found home here. So that, that, thank you. <laughs> oh, well, that's very nice. <laughs> ben, anything you want to add to that? You know, I, you use the example of if you are doing a comedy podcast, should you join the comedy podcast network? And I, I don't know the real answer to that, but I would make the assumption that it doesn't have to be as specific as the HubSpot podcast network being focused on the broad business category. What you're looking for is audience overlap. You know, you are a comedy podcast and your audience is 25 to 34 year old females in middle America. Well, you know, maybe there's a podcast or a network that has that audience. There's the Lemonada booth outside and they do generally female centric podcasts. Like there can be a comedy podcast within their network if they have one um, that can still benefit you as a creator. So I don't think it always has to be as sort of streamlined or linear as I am a business podcast, I need uh, you know, other business podcasts to promote me. What you're looking for is audience overlap. Great, yeah, I totally agree with that point. Um, so I'm curious, uh, I have a lot of people here that are considering joining a podcast network. What advice would you give to a podcaster that is considering, you know, is a podcast network the best choice for my show? How do they go about answering that question? Sure. Sure. Okay. Um, think about the commitment you're making. Fundamentally, joining a podcast network is a longer-term agreement, and it's very akin to a sponsorship model. Um, you're going to be working with this group of people, and they're going to have some sort of a way to represent you, and you're representing them. And so the things that I would think through are the financial component, right? The compensation has to make sense. You can't sell your inventory at a discounted rate for a long period of time and think that you're gonna make more money. That's just not how it works. Um, but outside of just the sort of like transactional financial relationship that you have, um, think about the brand association. When I talk to potential sponsors and I say that the MarTech podcast is a member of the HubSpot podcast network, I can physically see them go, Right, it's it's inferred credibility from sitting in between Alana and and Carly that has a, a major impact on my brand. It's allowed me and it's allowed me to expand my business. Um, so understand who you're working with. Understand how long the commitment is going to be. And the other thing is, think about the control that you're giving up in your podcast. Um, some podcast networks want to sell the ads for you. Um, you know, you might want to have some sort of competitive separation between the sponsors that you're bringing in and the ads that they sell. Um, you might want to make sure that you have specific categories that you're opting out of. Just have a good sense of who you're promoting and who's going to be promoted on your show. Because at the end of the day, you know, you're going to left, get left holding the bag. It's your show. And so when you're having a, a longer-term relationship with an organization, you have to make sure it's somebody that you know, like, trust, and that's going to treat you well. Um, a big thing that really helped us was our, our values really aligned, right? Like, we, we had this journey of, like, three, four years before Contents Profit was even a thing. And um, when we were looking for that support, right? Your network is your net worth, right? And, and we started looking at through that eye and like, what are, what's the benefit, right? Like for, for us as a, as a show that we can experiment. And just like Ben said, that association that has been massive in the last like five months, same thing every time that we mentioned it, 
eyes go wide, they're suddenly open to have a conversation uh, in different ways, whether that's business, whether that's coming to the show, whether that's promoting the show, um, and that has opened a lot of doors. So do your values align with their values? Is a, for us, the production was a big element to this, right? Can we be ourselves? Can we be the crazy two brothers with the same name, with a weird accent? Absolutely, right? So there's, um, that really removed a ton of the friction for us to make that decision into joining a network. It just happened to be the amazing hotspot, right? So <clears throat> obviously, we'd love to see you guys all coming in and, and, and applying because it's such a big support. But at the same time, you got to ask yourself, is this the right fit for what I do now? Uh, are my, my goals, my values aligned with what the network is asking from the show? And uh, for us, those were the questions that we asked, and uh, we just found a fit. I'm not a podcaster myself yet, uh, but I did want to chime in from the network side. I think one of the biggest things that I've learned is that every network is different. And if you're starting to make the decision that you're interested in joining a network, be really clear on what you want to give uh, get from the network and also what you bring to the network. Every network has different programming. Every def network has a different approach to ads. And you want to make sure that before you make a decision, it's really aligned with what your goals are and that you're really clear sort of in, in the benefits of, of being in that network. I think joining a network for a lot of people is, is really exciting. Um, and it's a great opportunity, but you want to just ensure that you know, the, the benefit that you're going to be getting and that relationship is going to be one that's going to be mutually beneficial. Great. Thank you. So we have a few minutes for questions. I'm curious, does anyone have a question? Uh, so my show is a fully scripted uh, audio drama, which has 13 episode seasons and then about nine months uh, of downtime while I produce the next season. How could someone like me prove my, my value to a network when I can't offer a, a weekly, uh, year-long, consistent click stream? You have to know who your audience is. Right, and the network that you're gonna reach out to has to be a match for that audience. Um, going back to the original email that I, you know, cold spammed the CMO of HubSpot accidentally uh, with, a lot of what we were saying was, I'd like to introduce myself as the executive producer and host of the MarTech podcast. We're the biggest podcast for the MarTech industry. Um, we've had guests from these places, but here's what I know about the audience, not only with the size, but some of the demographic data that you get from them as well. Um, one tool that I'd recommend that you look at is Chartable, um, which will give you, they have a sales sheet, but there's an audience tab in Chartable that will give you information like household income, education, uh, gender, and there's a couple other little tidbits, and you can infer, infer a lot of um, information about who your audience is based on that. And if you have any sense of community or interaction that you can show a network, these are the people that are listening to my show, and here's what they're asking, and here's why they're listening, I think that's really what a network will be the most interested in. So know your audience. Hi, my name's Megan. I have a marketing podcast. We just started season six, so about 110 episodes. And and, and I have not 
sold sponsorships. I've had people approach me, but I've always felt like, oh, well, my little show, my little indie show, I don't have that many downloads because that's the whole thing, right? 1,000 per, and I, I'm not getting that, but I but a very consistent listenership. So I'm curious, when I think about joining a network, that's always part of it, right? But is there a, like a broader picture that you look at for for that, like you're saying, like who your audience is and its business and all that kind of good stuff beyond that? The downloads? Yeah, um, I can answer that and then would love to hear anyone else's thoughts. Um, what we're looking for is really talented creators that are very thoughtful about the content that they create. Are they helping their audiences learn and grow? And that's really important to us. As Luis mentioned, that we He's part of HubSpot Creators, an accelerator program just for that reason, meaning that we believe that we can actually help you build an audience, that we can actually bring an audience to you, that we have strategies and tactics that we can consult with you on to help bring that audience. But if we're driving traffic to your show, your show has to be great. And so for us, that's what we're mostly concerned about, and we've built programs to support creators like you. Hi, David Johnson with Kixum ADHD. Uh, in our third season now of producing a show for business professionals, and uh, didn't ha I had no clue there would be a business-focused podcast network here. So two questions. First is, for HubSpot, why create a podcast network? And I've already forgotten my second question because I have ADHD. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Um, sure. So at HubSpot, we believe in inbound marketing, right? That you earn customers by being of value to your audience. It's a complete just next step for us to collaborate with really talented creators that are doing just that, that we are helping audiences learn and grow. And in doing that, we're essentially bringing more leads and customers to the HubSpot business. So it's, um, yeah, if you look at the history of HubSpot, we started with our blogs, and this is just a natural progression um, is to do podcasting. And of course, we could start podcasts, which we do. We have HubSpot Originals and they're great shows. We also know that we believe in creators. We want to be a part of the creator economy and we want to collaborate and work with the best in the business creation space. So I hope that answers your question. Of course. It sounds like it's pretty unique to HubSpot that you don't sell ads, but it sounds like a lot of networks, they do that, and that's the crux of their revenue model. Um, what is the difference between having like an exclusive agent to sell ads for you versus being in a podcast network? Does that make sense? Yeah, I can answer it from, from our perspective or from from my perspective, which is that at HubSpot, HubSpot is a SaaS company. We actually want your ad inventory. We want to use it to, if you are um, engaging business professionals that need a CRM platform, we want to, um, actually, let me back up. This is the way I like to say it. You are giving strategies and tactics to your audience. We're providing a tool. Together, they go together like peanut butter and jelly, right? Here's the strategy that you need to do this to be successful in your business. And of course, it makes sense to have an ad there that gives you the tool to execute upon the strategy that the podcast host is sharing with their audience. So from our perspective, we're not interested in selling the ad inventory because we want it. <laughs> I, I think 
the answer is uh, an inbound versus an outbound strategy where if you're joining a network that's selling your ad space, they're going to be fielding calls for advertisers that are looking to buy broadly. If you work with an agent, they're probably going to be doing outreach on your behalf that will be a little bit more targeted. I'm sure every network and every agency is slightly different, but my understanding of finding representation to go sell your ads is somebody has to go hunt and kill for you and then drag the meat back. Go ahead. <laughs> um, the reason why I'm asking is my show, we have an exclusive relationship with AdvertiseCast, so they guarantee us ad revenue, right? And so I'm trying to understand, like, what is the additional benefit beyond that in joining a network versus just having them guarantee us ad revenue every month? It's the brand association and some of the value-added services. So speaking tactically about what HubSpot does, I'm sure every network is a little bit different. The guest swap program, HubSpot does an ad matching program. Um, we get to speak at podcast movement. We're going to inbound. Like there, HubSpot knows a lot about marketing, as it turns out, and so it's not just you know their ability to help us with some of the programs that they're setting up as part of the network. It's also the uh, their ability to connect us with other people that are relevant in the industry. Uh, you know, I'll use a Mopod as an example. They're a, a podcast growth service. Um, and, you know, they've helped me and, and my show grow exponentially. And that was a relationship that was started because HubSpot is out there trying to figure out who's the best and brightest in the industry. And so a lot of it is not just building programs, but sourcing talent for us to take advantage of. Thank you. Can I, can I add something to that as a newer show? So uh, something that helped us big time was um, not focus on the ad side initially because as we started the show, for us, it was really slow. There was no focus on audience whatsoever in the first seven months. The, the focus was let's execute consistently, very frequently. Let's not look at data. For the seven months, we did not see the dashboard. That was a commitment, right? Because sometimes we can get very discouraged, like it happened on the first time that we did it. So. What that did was it shifted our focus onto figuring out other creative ways to generate revenue from the show that is not just ads, right? So what happens, we were able to develop that back end very, very, very quickly. That, that saved the business immediately in like two months. And then after that, anything on the ad side was a plus, right? And even the conversation that we had with the network, they were like, don't you guys want to ask about the ads? And we're like, we don't do ads. <laughs> and they're like, oh, sweet, so are you guys okay with this? And we're like, absolutely, this is why it's so synerg synergetic also because the audience, the people that we talked to, even though initially it was not a big audience, they were a very engaged audience because they were executing, they were with us in the, in the, in the, doing the, the grind, and this was an amazing tool that was available all of a sudden for them. And that just a lot of, it brought a ton of value to that audience that we had on top of the revenue stream that the show was creating. So, um, you know, shifting that focus and, and thinking creatively on maybe ads is not my primary revenue source. How can I figure out, you know, two, three, four other ways that can relieve the pressure? And that's helped us a ton. Sorry. That helped us a ton initially, yeah. I think most of the time with network, you're blocking off inventory for the network to sell. And when you have representation, uh, they have to go find the advertisers. So you still have the ability to go sell that same inventory as well. So it might be a little bit more efficient. But Any other questions? 
So I'm here selfishly because I have a network as well, but on the HubSpot side, um, outside of using HubSpot as a tool to manage all your programs, what do you guys use internally in order to provide these services and tools to creators? We're a little unique in that we have um, our HubSpot original shows, we have our emerging creators, and then we have our established creators, and we don't own those shows. And so everyone uses different tools um, based off of you know, what works best for their show. I will say that we do use Chartable, we do use select ad vendors um, as we've built relationships with them. So uh, that's, that's kind of the one tool that we use across the board. Any other tools that maybe you'd recommend? Sure. Uh, I mean, Hotspot as a CRM to manage your guests, great. Uh, we do on project management Notion. Uh, we record on Riverside. A lot of our team uses Descript. So all these awesome things. Uh, what helped us was figure out the framework of like what are the actions that we need to do, and then plug in the tool that allows you to move faster. Um, so you know, over here, there's a ton of choices. I ask your questions, but those are the ones that we use in our show. We provide a suite of tools to our creators so that they can pick and select what works best for them, and we pay for that. Any other questions? Hi there. I have a podcast for teachers about math, so not related to business at all, but it's still very much in the baby phases, and I'm kind of doing this to look ahead to the future. As a, the podcast host specifically, what would you recommend to newer podcasts who maybe just aren't quite there yet in listenership, but who want to get to where they could join a network in the future? Luis? Can you repeat the question? I can barely hear you. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I was saying, what would you recommend to someone who they're still in the baby phases of growing their listenership and they want to get to the point where they could join a network in the future? What, would, what should we be focusing on for the next year? Absolutely. How many episodes are you in? About 50. 50. Awesome. That's great. So you're way past the stat of people like falling off. You're not in the baby stages. <laughs> you're at um, least a toddler. Yeah. So um, frequency is one. You know, yesterday from Yonly Dumas, we, we had that answer. Like, how can we figure out a way that we can continue to be frequent? Uh, in our very specific example, uh, we built relationships. And it was it was very funny. I don't know if it was the universe talking to us, but we were able to connect and bring into our show the, some of the players in the network. So we brought Steph when he was there. Jonathan Barship is one of the producers for different shows. Um, and we had conversations with them, right? And we, we had an initial outreach. So we, we approached our guests as a sales process, really, for the show. And uh, not with the intention of selling, but the intention of adding value to them with our platform whether that's big or small, it's very relative. Every case is very different. So with the people that you're trying to connect in, in your network, right, once you find that, it's like, how can I establish a relationship with them? Should I have a conversation on the show? What are the tools that you have available to build that relationship? And then you can build a ton of value. It's like we, ha we use the cookie analogy, right? You can give a ton of cookies to, to a kid. I have a three-year-old, so I give three cookies, and then if I take one away, he doesn't get really mad, right? And then I give three more cookies, and then I take another one away. That's my ask. So same analogy with, with our relationships. How can we add a ton of value so when, there's the right, when you feel you're ready for that ask, you'll be like, hey, I'm very interested in joining the network, then that ask doesn't feel like a chore. Be like, I added a ton of value to this relationship. So that's a lot of what we've used to do, and it worked really well. 
I have a two and a five-year-old. I would not recommend giving them three cookies <laughs> under any circumstances. Um, when you're thinking about show growth, I think of four different categories, viral, organic, paid, and partnerships. Viral is the people that are in your audience or your guests sharing your content. Organic is how much content you're producing and how you're titling it so the algorithms pick up the content and distribute it to people that are searching for it. Paid, what promotions can you put out there where you'll be able to target your audience and get them onto your show. And partnerships. The easiest one to control is, and this network is a partnership as well, going out and being visible in the niche that you're in or within the podcast you know, medium and going, being in guests. And, and those are the real ways to grow your podcast if that's your focus. Of course. Um, so I think we're at time. Thank you everyone for attending this session and, and giving us your time. Please come visit our activation, hop in the recording studios. And if you have any questions, definitely let us know. Uh, we'll be at the booth. Thank you. Thank you.